Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast. As many of you well know, the Milwaukee Bucks are celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. And it's my pleasure to have as my special guest today, Bob Wanick who has been with the Milwaukee Bucks from day one. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. we got a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, I bet you got some outstanding stories to tell. But the first one I wanted to ask you about, how many games do you think you have seen between the Milwaukee Arena, the Bradley Center, and God knows how many other places? <laughs> I, I really don't know. It's, it's a, earlier, it was a lot less games for the NBA and then it went up to 82 for the season, yeah. which means 41 plus this preseason. You're talking about 45 games a year. So how many games have you done this year, just approximately? Between that and Marquette women and Marquette men and high school, so far this year, probably 50 or more. I'll tell you what, you probably got the best seat in the house. You know, those are probably, what, $200 tickets, and you've seen literally thousands of games. Think how much money uh, you would have invested if you had it actually pay for these games yeah i wouldn't want to probably guess because i couldn't afford it anyway <laughs> your wife would be looking for another job <laughs> right so uh, hey the uh, first question uh, i wanted to ask you in regards to the milwaukee bucks was they became an nba franchise in 1968 right. and uh, how old were you at the time about 35 35 was there a buzz in milwaukee that hey milwaukee's getting a pro basketball team you recall yeah but it wasn't really great no. They started out very slow and built up their fan base. But it was slow. I mean, it wouldn't have the hype that it has now. Yeah, that, the NBA didn't have its marketing machine no. like it does now. Their office was on the 7th in Wisconsin, and uh, it was low-key. And what were you doing at that time? Were you working, obviously, elsewhere, right? Yeah, I worked. Well, I changed jobs every nine years. At that time, I was working at the courthouse for the budget office. And... Uh, we got together. I also worked high school basketball, and uh, they had ten of us, and they had ten preseason games. They had ten working for the Bucks. Yeah, well, we had ten high school people working for the Bucks for the preseason oh, okay. games. Yeah, yeah. And we had one league official with us, and so we'd leave work and drive up to Fond du Lac, Racine, Kenosha, those places, and he would evaluate us and help us along as to what we were doing. And one of the most unusual ones was on Fond du Lac, where all the statisticians sat on the end of the court, not alongside the court. <laughs> so that made it a tough night for us. But anyway, after 10 games, John Erickson, who was the general manager sure. at the time, called me in and said, we'd like you to head the crew. And I said, fine, I'll be glad to do that, but I want to have the hiring and firing power of who we work with. And he said, yeah, but we would like to have it too. And I said, well, we can come to a mutual agreement. And he said, yeah, if you had the crew, which guys do you want? And so I gave him a list, and we settled on eight, and we went from there. Did you ever envision, when you got that job, that you would be doing it now 50 years? Or, no. or did you think no. this was going to be, like, maybe a part-time job? And oh, yeah. Well, it was a part-time job. You uh -huh. right down to it. I mean, I still did high school sure. and so forth, but I it didn't do as much. It just evolved. And in those days, I can't explain it. But we were a family. The players, well, players also worked another job during the summertime. They worked as greeters at Kmart or 
sold insurance or did other jobs besides playing basketball. Do you remember what, let, let's say, uh, John McLaughlin or Wayne Embry, those were some of the first members of the team. Do you remember any kind of jobs those guys had? Yeah, Greg Smith had a job where he was a greeter at Kmart. A greeter at Kmart. Yeah, and Honey Chapel sold, sold insurance. He's got a sporting goods store now. But, I mean, it's hard to explain. But to visit someone's house or stop over and just say hi, how are things? Dick Cunningham also worth working at Kmart, too. So, I mean, those are the fellows that you just got close to. Well, let's talk about that first team. Now, were, were you like one of the first people the Bucks organization hired? I believe it was, yeah. I mean, they had their regular officials, president, vice president, that, office staff. But then we went through those 10 games, and then that's when they came up to ask me to run the crew. So how many people, Bob, are still with the team after 50 years? You and John, obviously. Yep. Is there, is there anybody John, else? John Steinmiller. And John Steinmiller, right, right. He was right. like a year after us. But he also lived in Greendale. So it's kind of a family-type deal all the way around. Have you three become good friends over the years oh, yeah. because of oh, the yeah. longevity right. of your, your oh, sure. positions? Give me your take real quickly on John McLaughlin. It's, he seems like the... He's a fun guy. Gen- he seems like a gentleman. Real, real natural, and he loves to act fun. And I mean, that, that whole thing is his life. Always has a smile, always has a big hand. Always glad to see one another. And John Steinmiller has been heavily involved in this organization yes, right. and done just a tremendous job. He's still a lot of PR work, yeah. Well, what's your take on John? I mean, he works hard and does a good job and keeps things going, and uh, I really appreciate seeing him there, too. Yeah, getting back to that first team, there are some pretty good players on that team. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like, you know, Guy a Rogers. bunch of slouches came walking in. Guy Rogers was a good player. Flynn Robinson, as I recall. Yes. Wayne Embry. Yep. He was, uh, what, about five, six, seven-time All-Star. Yep. Do you have any memories from that first team? Anything that stood out that you'll always remember? Not particularly. Let's put that uh-huh. It was a losing season, and they did their best, but they just weren't that qualified. <laughs> and what were the crowd sizes at that time? My guess around 10,000, which doesn't, you know, fill the house, but it brought a lot of money. Well, was there any player off that team that you grew? You told me earlier before we started the podcast that you and Wayne Embry developed a special relationship. Well, basically what happened is after every game, the statisticians got together in the locker room, and we had to fill out a final stat sheet. One fellow would handle rebounds, one would hold shots, other categories. And we compile a final stat sheet. Then we reproduce that. And I had a hand it to every player in the locker room. Oh, you, so the so, players looked at their stats even then. Oh, yeah. Huh? <laughs> Larry Costello wanted them that way. He wanted them to know what they did or didn't do. He did? Oh, yeah. You know, which is unusual because now coaches really don't want their players to look at stats, you know? I mean, I mean, those were the days when Larry Costello said, yes, that's what I want. And so that's how I got to know the players. So you went personally and handed them yes. to oh, yeah. each of the players? And because I knew about all of them, so that's part so of So were there job. some guys that didn't want you to hand them a stat sheet after a bad no, game? No, <laughs> I choice. I mean, and I also had a phone of the results into New York before I left the Bradley Center. You phoned them in? Yep. So, I mean, you had to give each individual stats, or how did that go? No, I had the New York office one of them. Yeah, So yeah. I had to phone them in before I left. And then also, every club had to get a copy of them. So I had to take them to the post office before I went home. Oh, jeez. So they filled an envelope for every team, and then I mailed them in. And it, now it's all electronic, right? I mean, yep. just, Unfortunately. Just... When there's an error, it's, it's tough to correct. Oh, okay. Because every statistic goes to 132 countries immediately. 
and that has to be corrected somehow. They don't like to correct things. So you're sitting at midcourt for all these games, and you must be hearing what officials say, what coaches say, what players say. Yep. Did you get to know anybody over the years that, you know, maybe guys, coaches or players who played a long time that said, hey, you know, that's Bob. I remember you from, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Did you build up any kind of rapport with any of these guys? It happens all the time. It does. Most of the coaches off stage are a lot different than they are on stage. See, I got to see every coach an hour and a half before a game to get their tentative lineup. And I pass that out to everybody. And an hour before the game, they have to submit a list of active and inactive players. I make copies of that and pass it around. So it's the second time I see the coaches. And 15 minutes before the game, I have to see each coach to get their final lineup, see if they want to make changes or not. And I copy that and pass it out. So I get to see the coaches three times. And many of the coaches over the years, and I have developed a nice relationship. Hey, I want to backtrack a little bit. You were talking about Wayne Embry. Yes. You said, if I'm remembering correctly here, that he called you when he left the Bucks yeah. organization because you guys he were said, so he, close? He said he didn't have anything else to do, so he said he'd call me and we'd talk for a bit. <laughs> I mean, that's that relationship is like, very difficult to duplicate. Exactly. And you were on the phone for a while, right? Hour and a half. Now, those days, it costs money to be on the phone. It's not like I you guess have... so. I don't know. He, <laughs> he had it. I didn't know. <laughs> he paid for the whole thing. Huh? Yeah. Any favorite players or coaches? John yeah. McLaughlin. John McLaughlin, yeah. One of the best players I ever saw was Oscar Robertson. I mean, there's nobody to this day that's equal to him. You really believe he's the best all-time player? In my own mind, yes. So better than LeBron, better than Michael. He was tough in the locker room. He was general on the court. And he watched film and knew what the player that he was going to defense was going to do the whole game. In other words, if the fellow had the ball and passed it off and jig-jag around the court, before he got it back again, Oscar was in the spot where this guy was going to end up. I saw him a couple times actually put his hand on somebody's waist and physically pick him up and move him the spot over. He was that strong? Yes. He just took one hand? Yeah. You know, now you can't touch a guard. Well, I know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he... Basically, today, he, doesn't, he hasn't changed much. I saw him a year ago at a gathering someplace, and still same Oscar. You said he was tough in the locker room. What, you, what did you mean by that? I mean, he let people know that if they didn't play, he let them know about it one way or another. After the game? No, during the game. <laughs> he, he would let them roll right oh, on yeah. the court. Oh, yeah. He you didn't remember? waste any words. He knew how strong the team was, and he didn't accept failure. Did he ever yell at Kareem that you saw? I don't know. Yeah, you didn't see that, huh? Which brings up this question. Okay, you got to know Oscar a little bit. What's your take on Kareem when he was here? Well, I understand today that he gets $50,000 for an appearance. <laughs> it's not bad. A couple of weeks ago, he and I met in the hallway down there, and he didn't charge me a dime. <laughs> <laughs> what did you uh, chat about? We just renewed all acquaintances and how are you and so forth, and it's just nice to see him in good health. I mean, Kareem is an exceptionally bright guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, somebody told me that his IQ is over 150, which is, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. But very, very articulate. And he seems to have changed, though, for the better. Yeah. It seems like when he was here in Milwaukee, he was kind of aloof, maybe a little condescending at times. But now he seems like he, he's found a good place in his life, that he's comfortable with, with, with himself. Because um, even with the Bucks, Oscar got yeah. him on the side. Every time he left the locker room, he was mobbed by people wanting autographs and all that sort of stuff. Oscar pointed out to him that if he has postcards made with his picture on it, <laughs> and he walks out of the locker room and starts handing them out, 
he doesn't have to sign any autographs, just disappear into the crowd. And that worked out considerably for him. So he always brought along a bunch yep. of postcards. Now, did Oscar do this? Oscar told him to do it. Yeah, uh, but maybe I mean, Oscar did it himself. I don't never follow him that close. So did he give you one? <laughs> no, I, there may be some back there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at one point you told me that you had every score book from the time that you started with Milwaukee yep. Bucks. Is that correct? Yep. Were there any special ones? I mean, any special keepsakes that? Well, one time they wanted to know who scored the first basket for the Bucks. Yeah, and by the way, who was that? John McLaughlin. And how far was it? Immediate jump shot. Yeah, you remember I had, that? I had huh? a score sheet, yeah. Okay. And John was glad for that because he knew he scored the first basket. Actually, I knew that. I wanted to see if you knew that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that must have been just a fascinating time. The other thing, I know you and I have talked at the Bradley Center on, on occasion, and you said that players would literally come over to your house after games and hang out. Yep. I mean, or players don't day, do that today. Days where they had nothing else to do, and that was fine. We never bothered one another. We just friendship. Who in particular? Lenny Chapel more than anybody, and he and I got along fairly well. John McLaughlin, of course. He lived not that far, so we used to interchange. And one interesting story was one of the first years we went down to St. Louis. We got down there about noon time of the afternoon, and I went to the court and set up the places where everybody sat and got the equipment organized. And I'm walking back to the hotel about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I look up and this guy Rogers waving to me from the second floor, huh. and he said, waving, come on up. And I thought, oh, well, I want to get in his mind. Went up there, and he says, you're from Milwaukee. And I said, yeah. He said, they play sheep's head there. Yeah. <laughs> well, us five guys want to learn how to play sheep's head. For the next two and a half hours, we played sheep's head, so they knew how the game was played. So you taught Guy, or he already did? Taught them. I taught them. Taught him how to hey, play the game. So it, I had a half hour to go back to my room, <laughs> take a shower, and go back to the court. But I said, that's the kind of relationships we had with one another. Now, people that don't play cards, Sheephead, at least in my opinion, is the greatest card game ever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in college, instead of studying econ and psych, oh, yeah. I was playing Sheephead <laughs> and uh, losing money, by the way. Yeah, we used to play that at work at noontime for lunch. And that's how I knew the game, and they were glad for it. Those are the things that you can't explain today. That would never happen today either. <laughs> all these games, all these years, did you ever get questioned about a score, something that you might have done during the course of the game? Not really, because it was resolved before the final stat sheets were brought. And today, it's so everything's got to be immediate that it makes it a lot more hectic when you got to correct things. Who, who was the feistiest coach you ever saw on the sideline? Wow. Uh, Red Orbeck? Oh, you mean any coach? Any coach, yeah. Oh, right. it wasn't that bad. No? See, I, like I said, there's two phases of it. Yeah. On stage, off stage. And a lot of them do it for entertainment purposes. And off stage, it can be the greatest guy. Phil Jackson came in a couple of years ago, and he was a vice president of somebody, and he came over and he said, where have you been? I said, where have you been? So he said, let's go for a walk. So he put his arm around me, we walked clear around the rally center and talked for like 15, 20 minutes. Phil Jackson did this. Yeah. Now you really piqued my curiosity because Phil Jackson doesn't do that to anybody. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he, he's, he's a pretty guarded guy. In fact, one of his PR people came up and said, Phil, you got a something or other in about five minutes. And Phil said, I'm busy right now. So we walked clear around and came back. So was this because he knew you from before? I mean. Yeah, yeah. I knew him before, waiting there and so forth. So I mean, those are the kind of things that you can't explain to people and make them believe it besides that. Yeah. So what would Phil Jackson chat with you about? I'm just curious. I mean, just if, how things are going, how's the team, 
what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I'm kind of curious. Do you remember when this was? How many years ago? No. <laughs> because, like, what, 10 years ago, maybe? Or? Um, less than that, I'm guessing. I'm interrogating you simply because at one time there was a rumor that Phil Jackson was going to coach the Bucks. Remember after he left the Bulls? Oh, yeah. And I was okay. told that some Bucks officials actually made contact with That's Jackson. And, and well, maybe officials. he was feeling the yeah, Exactly. So I was just wondering, it's, it's one of those things. Well, maybe. But, uh, yeah, that, that would have changed the, the history of the Bucks if they would have hired Phil Jackson. You've got to have a favorite game that you've been in at the Bradley Center. Or, or the arena, for that matter. At the arena, probably. It was a game where it was a snowstorm in Milwaukee, and the Lakers came in on a 32-game winning streak. I remember that. And about seven, 8,000 people showed up. And I went down the freeway to get in there. Walked, I parked my car in the underground parking structure and walked over. And, boy, it was cold and ice and snow and all that sort of stuff. The Bucks beat L.A. that night. In fact, L.A., took the hotel across from the arena, but took a bus over to the arena. You're talking about the Hyatt? Yes. Right across the street. Yeah. I mean, literally. They right took a bus the from the hotel to the arena, and the Bucks won the game, of course. And after the game, instead of walking up, it was against the wind, put a couple of towels around my head and got up to the underground parking structure, got onto the freeway, and I'm wide open. There weren't any cars out there hardly. All of a sudden, a car come alongside, and it was a deputy sheriff. He said, could you please slow down to 25 miles an hour? It's too bad out here. <laughs> so I slowed down. You're the only car on the road. <laughs> yeah. And that kept the memory sitting in my head. But it was a tough game to work, and it was an interesting game to work. Was and there one shot that kind of stands out? Like, hey. Yeah, I mean, it was, no. Well, you were there when Michael Redd uh, set the Milwaukee Bucks franchise yep. record. Yep. Any memories of that? He was obviously no, on fire. He's, he's very close to the last time I saw him. He put his arm around me. And I think it was my 80th birthday when he showed up. You're 80? Uh, a little older. <laughs> <laughs> I was guessing maybe in the 70 range, you know, but... Uh, I'll be 85 in February. Happy birthday. Early. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> in case I don't see you on that day. <laughs> Which brings me to this point. You could possibly be the oldest working guy in the NBA. Well, an older one was a fellow by the name of Gottlieb. He did Philadelphia. And he worked the games until he was 90. And he died in 93, when he was 93. So I said, you always got to have a goal. And I keep thinking of that goal of 90. And I'm thinking maybe depending upon how things get bad or good or whatever. Is it, That's what now. you're shooting for, 90? We'll see. And you, you're 84 now? Well. Well, allegedly. <laughs> I got a virus now, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that, that's awesome. But, I mean, do you know of anybody older in the NBA? No, not, than, that's the oldest I knew. And I didn't, don't know any you know, the other ones, no. Do you still get excited going to every game? Like you did, you know, back in the day? Not really. It's a job to be done, and I got eight fellows. I wouldn't be there today if it wasn't for the eight fellows that work with me. And, and who are those guys? Uh, Catch you off guard here. Michael Goodwin? Yeah, Matt Goodwin. Matt Go I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, oh, Matt. Yeah. I don't know him. Matt's okay. his son. Gotcha. Vinciano, uh, Danny Grzynski, Ted David, Glenn okay. Osfeld, Dave Schmitz. These are the computer people that are up above the first level. We've got four guys down below and four guys up above. Wow, you got a crew there. Yeah, and plus you got to make up when they're not able to work. you got to fill in. got to have – so i got a list of 12 people that I keep active. And, and all those guys are good guys. I mean, I've well, dealt with them Well, they all started point. out – some left to raise a family, then came back. But the average longevity is somewhere between 36 and 38 years to being with the crew. 
And you, wow. you can't get that from every event. That you so are you saying you got the best crew in the NBA? You got, I mean, it's, it's right there, huh? Yeah. I yeah. mean, without them, I wouldn't be there because I can rely on them and their stuff is excellent and very uniform. All right. You know, one thing, going back in time again, and I forgot, I should have brought this up earlier. The Bucks won the championship, the NBA title. You were at the game, right? No. They won it in Baltimore. Oh, in Baltimore. I'm sorry. But prior, you were there for the series, though. Yeah. When they were... What was the feeling like then? I mean, I mean, it's so rare for Wisconsin to have it outside of Green Bay, you know, having, having... Yeah, but it was early in their career, and again, it wasn't that monumental, I don't think. Yeah. You have to put it in perspective. And I mean, the hype was there, but it wasn't monumental. And it was good for the city and so forth. And it did accentuate the team itself to higher levels. But I think compared to today, Today it'd be, you know, wild, but uh, it was interesting. How fun is it to see Giannis playing up close like you do? He's quiet. He's not very outgoing. I still think we could use Zaza Gubar. <laughs> or Pachulia. <laughs> yeah, either one. Yeah. They need a big, tough presence in the locker room, and I don't know if they have it yet. They don't have a, a true leader, you're saying, huh? I've noticed that as well, and I thought maybe Bledsoe might be, but Eric Bledsoe is kind of a quiet guy. Yep. By, by nature, he doesn't say a lot either. Are you looking forward to seeing the Bucks win another title before you uh, I officially know. put down your scorebook? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's possible. You don't think so? I don't know. Marquette said I got a job as long as I want for the, with them, men and women. Yeah, we, we could spend another hour just on Marquette, oh, yeah. but... Were you there with Al? I'm trying to, when Al McGuire was there? Yep. He must have been unbelievable to deal with. They had some good coaches. They, they did. Well, what about Al, though? I mean, tell me just real quick. I don't spend too much time on this, but. He was, was always a great guy. Was he? Oh, yeah. He certainly was one of the most colorful. Oh, yeah. Sports people you've off, ever seen. Off stage and on stage, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. He, he's one guy that didn't change. And no, right. Like some of the guys that said before. Oh, yeah. Yep. Got any good Al McGuire stories? No, not really. <laughs> they can tell us. <laughs> he's, he's got his own. I mean, he yeah, let yeah. them alone. Yeah. See, college ball is different because I don't see the coaches until they come out of court. I don't talk to them before the game. Or anything, oh, okay. So, I mean, that's a whole different venue. So, did you ever sit down and try to calculate how many games you have been the official score? Now, you said the Bucks, Marquette men, Marquette women. And you do other stuff. NCAA. And NCAA games. And a tournament up at Concordia Christmas time. Sure. High school tournament. I mean, are, are you approaching Will Chamberlain-like numbers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what his numbers are. <laughs> well, my, my favorite Wilt one, and that, to uh, digress here, is he averaged one time 48.5 minutes a game for a season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you right. remember that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's off the charts. But how many games do you think off the top of your head, Bob, you have worked? Never. I... Started compiling it a while back, but I never continued, so I don't know. Because the older, like I said, the older days, they had less games per season. And I used to work more high school at the time. And in a, in a, I didn't do Marquette until they stopped, started paying. It used to be volunteers. And one year they had too many errors, and they decided to pay, and they asked me to come over and work for them, so I did. And then at that time, it was only the men for a while. Yeah. And then finally got to the women when yeah. I was in there. So 50 years... As Frank Sinatra would say, any regrets? Well, more years with the high school. I started when I was in uh, 19... Well, actually, I actually started in 1947. 
Wow. <laughs> I was, I'm a, I was. I don't think I was even. I, I don't know where I was. At. <laughs> I was freshman in high school, Polsky. At Christmas time, or a week before Christmas, I got blood poisoning hmm. from athlete's foot. It got into my socks and trailed up my leg, and I was flat on my back for two weeks. When I got back in January, the coach said, well, you can't play for a week or so. You want to be my manager. And I said, what does the manager do? He said, well, before practice, he threw out the basketballs. After practice, he'd take them take back him. and make sure we got the same number. Okay? And he said, then you keep score. I said, how do you keep score? He said, you'll learn. So the first game, I floundered through getting mark and score, and he corrected me afterwards and so forth, and it started down, and I stayed. I thought, boy, that's easier to plan, so I started being manager. And as it transpired, I became equipment manager for the school for the last three years, and so I stayed with it. I went to uh, UWL for a year and a half, and then chemistry and I did not see eye to eye, so they kicked me out for a semester. <laughs> and I went back and went to Madison for four to three and a half years. So you're a Badger at heart, huh? Yeah, when I, I graduated a math major in 56, and then I started doing high school work again. Did you become a math teacher? No. What, what did you do with your math degree? The uh, only offer I had when I graduated was a salesman for uh, Remington Rand office systems and supplies. So I took the job because I needed the job. And uh, then I went from there to four or five other jobs over my lifetime. Wow. So, well, I'll tell you what, it was an absolute pleasure uh, talking with you this morning in 50 years. I'd say 50 more, but I think that would be a stretch. <laughs> right. <laughs> I certainly hope you attain your goal of 90 years. That would be awesome. Well, we try. Let's put it that way. Well, thanks, Bob. Appreciate you it. Bet. And thanks for listening. Sure. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and Wuffle's Press Box.com.